Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the State of Dallas podcast. I'm Billy Embody. Thanks for listening. We've got a lot to get to uh, as the Mustangs are headed to Temple on Friday for a 6 p.m. Central Time matchup on ESPN2 against the 2-5 and five Owls. Mustangs looking to move to 5-2 and two on the season. But first, want to tell you guys, appreciate you guys listening to us on the State of Dallas podcast, a Dave Campbell's Texas football podcast, part of the Republic of Football Podcast Network. So wherever you're listening, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever, we appreciate you guys following us. This week, we were out at practice uh, for SMU coming off of a game where uh, the offense certainly needed a bunch of work and the defense continued to do its thing. So looking back on last week before we jump into this Temple matchup, SMU has a lot of things going right for itself on defense. And if you watch that game Thursday night ESPN, SMU held East Carolina to three plays or less on 11 of 15 drives, which is really just impressive overall. And they did allow the Pirates to kind of hang around there a little bit, maybe more than they should have. But ultimately, the defense continued to be the story of this one making plays throughout the course of the game that allowed SMU's offense time to work through its issues. Now, all that said, SMU was able to go out and after overcoming a slow start offensively, which was kind of, I think, a little um, uh, pushed in that direction because of the muffed kickoff return, it was kind of like, oh, wow, that's how SMU starts a nationally televised game is muffing a kickoff. I think it kind of bled over to, into the offense a little bit, but they were able to capitalize on two scoring drives, uh, finding Keyshawn Smith, finding Roderick Daniels, Preston Stone making plays uh, to go up 14-0 really quickly. And then the offense really stalled out, and it was bad. And the passing game was all over the place. And, you know, if you were following it with us at OnThePonyExpress.com, which is where you can find our work for On3, our message board was going absolutely berserk, and rightfully so in a way. Now, Temple is a top 40 defense yards per game um, nationally, which is actually rather good considering their offense is abysmally bad. So I think context is certainly key in that respect. East Carolina has some guys that can play. They always do. They recruit Juco well. They recruit athletes well. They get them in there, and they just – get them to play really hard football for Mike Houston's team. But there are so many things in the passing game that SMU is just not doing that should be routine that are holding them back. And in the run game, they couldn't get anything going rushing-wise against East Carolina. And so when you couple those two things together, SMU had to go basically commit to the pass all the way. And remember, this was the first game that they had Justin Osborne back, their starting right guard. It just wasn't pretty start to finish offensively. Well, I shouldn't say start to finish offensively. They had those moments early in the game, and then they finished strong with a touchdown pass to RJ Maryland. But it wasn't great um, by any means, especially in the middle two quarters. And a lot of it was going what has kind of been the issue for this passing game throughout the season, which is, Preston Stone looks deep a lot. The wide receivers right now have not shown enough just yet that they can be relied upon to make competitive plays on the ball consistently. Keyshawn Smith 
uh, Keyshawn Smith flashed, Jordan Curley flashed, um, RJ Maryland late showed what he can do, but they really haven't been clicking down the field as much as a lot of us would have expected and have seen in the past from these SMU offenses. I don't care if there are so many new faces and there's depth and this and that. The passing game has to be better. And how do you fix it? I think one thing Rhett Lashley and his staff have talked a lot about is continuing to try and pull Preston Stone to take a little bit more of what the defense gives him from time to time. They have that chance to check check it down to the running back, which Preston Stone did late in the game, resulting in a first down. That intermediate passing game is just a little bit off at times. I think sometimes some of the throws are there. Preston doesn't see it in time, results in him scrambling, and then unable to find a receiver from there. But, you know, SMU was also whipped up front on the offensive line. They were not good. And this is an offensive line that I feel like has been the strength for the Mustangs this entire season. They have not been the problem. They have been rather good. And so if you're SMU going into this game, you're – trying to get back on the right side of that from an offensive line perspective. And that's why it's nice that Temple is up next. Their defense ranks in the hundreds. They're not very good. They're two and five. They're coming off their fourth straight loss. All of those losses, they've given up 40 points or more. And their offense is with without potentially EJ Warner, their starting quarterback. So it'll be Quincy Patterson if he can't go. This deep this this offense for SMU though has to have a statement game and just from a feel good build confidence perspective going into a matchup against Tulsa next week go out there and put a bunch of points on the board go hang forty five on the road in what is probably going to be a nasty environment with the weather that's going to be up in Philly it's supposed to rain I believe a little bit um, so all those things are going to be factoring in. That's why it's important if you're SMU to go face those factors against a bad team and get the ground game going, get Preston Stone feeling really good about himself. But Preston completed, you know, about 50% of his passes, but he did throw three touchdowns and he didn't throw an interception and he didn't have any turnovers in a game where SMU was able to force two against uh, East Carolina. They won that battle. That's important on the road is playing clean football but you've got to also take advantage of your opportunities to beat up on a really bad football team. I don't think Charlotte, I don't think East Carolina are athletically bad football teams. I think they're really just going through it right now for whatever reason. You know, offensively for East Carolina, it's horrible. Charlotte, they're very much a team that is in complete changes and things like that. And defensively, they're actually, you know, really, I think, one of the better athletic bunches in the conference, like probably top half. Um, Temple, it just seems like everything's not in a good you know, place for them. EJ Warner is the only bright spot for this team for the most part from an offensive standpoint. And he is completing 56% of his passes. He's thrown for 1,700 plus yards, 12 touchdowns, five interceptions for this SMU defense they're going to have to potentially defend against that if he gets out of concussion, concussion protocol and is cleared. If not, Quincy Patterson has been pretty poor 
throwing the football, but he can run. And that's something that East Carolina, at least at times, was able to do to SMU and make them pay for that. You know, whether it was Mason Garcia or um, uh, the other East Carolina quarterback, they kind of got some things going on the ground with the quarterback run. So that is worth noting. But when you look back at SMU's defensive performance, I think they got after it, getting after the quarterback and making things difficult. I think they were able to, uh, whether it was David Abiara, who was a nice surprise, whether it was Elijah Chapman, whether it was um, a multitude of guys, even uh, Jordan Miller had a couple of you know stops behind the line. Normally he's just holding it down as the nose tackle. This defense was able to really step up and just dominate the line of scrimmage, I felt like. There were moments, like any defense, where things kind of fell apart and they weren't able to get it to the level that they really wanted it to be at. Um, but when you look at what they're able to do overall, it was just dominant by SMU and what they were able to um, put together um, against East Carolina. And that's super encouraging, guys. Um, I, I think even with the struggles that East Carolina has had offensively, when your defense is good enough to smell that blood in the water and really step up and and go just dominate, I, I think that's what you really want to see and feel good about um, going into the back half of this schedule now um, for SMU. And so um, kudos to Scott Simons and what they've been able to put together. I, I think, you know, he he's not getting talked about enough about in terms of what he's been able to do for this team to get them to play at this level. It's uh, we haven't seen defense like this around SMU in quite some time. So um, enjoy it uh, while SMU has it right now, because look, come this off season. And like we talked about on the, on the Pony Express podcast this week, they're going to have to make a lot of changes. They're going to have to bring in a lot of guys, but that's a conversation for another day. Right now, they have built a unit that is really strong. And, you know, he, I think Scott Simons really felt by taking over the safety room, he'd be able to help improve it. And in some ways, he certainly has. Look at what Isaiah Wacoby is doing as a starter and the uh, big offseason he had. And he's been one of the team's top tacklers. Jonathan McGill against East Carolina had his first uh, pick six of his college career. His family flew all the way to Greenville and was there for that, which was cool for him. Um, and then Kobe Wilson, the former former Temple linebacker, who's actually questionable to play this week in Philadelphia, had a key strip uh, uh, fumble where he just took the ball away from the East Carolina quarterback as he was running it. And uh, that was a key turnover for, for the game. Um, and so now when you're looking at this defense and what they've been able to do just overall – I just there there are flaws. Yes, I'm sure there are flaws, but there are also so many things that are, you know, going so well for them right now that it's hard to pick them out. You know, I think you'd like to see more of a of a consistent pass rush. You'd you'd like to see more of a uh, overall, um, you know, just getting after the quarterback, you know, game plan. I guess, but they've been able to keep things in front of them. Like you'd like to see more flash, I guess, but there's really just so many good things that they're doing from a game planning perspective to keep 
opposing offenses at bay, make them earn every yard. I mean, East Carolina probably had one or two big explosive plays that I can remember that were truly, you know, 25 plus yards. And other than that, it was pretty subdued in terms of what they were able to do. They had some drives that they put together, a couple of them, but SMU swarms the ball really well. They have a lot of depth. I mean, David Abiara breaking out last game, he had a sack, I think another tackle for loss. Um, I didn't have that on the bingo card. Yeah, I thought in the couple minutes we're allowed into practice uh, last week, I felt like he kind of had some burst um, coming off in some drills, so maybe he was going to get an opportunity, but I did not have that on the bingo card. He came in and made a big impact for SMU um, and took some snaps, and and that's that's where SMU, it, it's you'd almost like SMU to have gone all in on the early non-conference games and you know, really shorten the bench and all those things. And I think they're, they have their own, like, you know, selves to blame on, you know, both Oklahoma, Oklahoma and TC losses for very different reasons. But now you're getting into league play where SMU is very much good enough to kind of, for the most part of the schedule, play guys that might not normally get opportunities. And they can do that and say, you're going to be fine. We're in complete control. And you pick your spots to do it. And this last week, David Abiara, that was his spot. So him flashing like that was very important just from an overall confidence perspective for him. Um, and it allows other guys, I think, on the defensive line to kind of feed off that. We saw Jordan Miller get a stop, from, uh, stop behind the line of scrimmage. I felt like Elijah Chapman uh, played one of his better games, uh, you know, since being at SMU. and. You just have this group that's really playing with a lot of confidence. And when your defensive line is playing with that confidence and SMU hasn't necessarily had that type of confidence around uh, their defensive line, that's important. Those are all things that are very, very just good to see. Uh, and, it, and it's hard to put together how this defense is – you know, really changed the entire complexion of this program kind of overnight. And the offense has struggled and it hasn't been perfect and all those things. But when you have a defense that is playing at the level that they are, you can sit back in, in, in a way and say, our defense has this. Let's continue to keep working on all the little things to get better. Let's get our offensive line right after they're Quite honestly, their worst outing of the season. Let's get Preston Stone to continue to work on check, checking it down or finding some of the soft spots in the short and intermediate passing game. Let's get these receivers to be just a little bit more competitive, but let's chip it, chip away at it and not panic because SMU has a defense that is as strong as it is overall. I, this is a special bunch uh, for SMU um, defensively, and 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 it. It shouldn't. I hope it's not lost on anyone as people freak out over the uh, offensive performance, which is, you know, it is what it is. It, it's happening. It's it's a concern, but know that this is a historically good SMU defense. It would be, I mean, even if it dropped down ten spots just to be penalized for fun, it would be the best defense in total yardage in forty years for SMU, which is pretty crazy uh, to think about. Um, and they're going to have a game where. Um, you know, Temple 
is going to come in again, kind of this um, poor weather situation potentially, and they're going to try to run the football on them. And uh, Temple rushed for 242 yards against uh, North Texas a week prior. Um, they did have a good showing against Norfolk State, uh, 290 yards on the ground. So they do have some ability to get it done on the ground. And Quincy Patterson, their quarterback, um, you know, was was a threat on the ground as well. He rushed for 113 yards and a rushing touchdown, but he only threw for 105. And uh, it's been over a decade uh, since um, Temple had a quarterback go for over uh, 100 yards, I believe. Um, and it, it's it's just an offense that if it is Quincy Patterson, SMU should be able to pin its ears back and play with a ton of confidence. And, you know, last time SMU was up in Philly, it was the 2020 season. Rhett Lashley was in Miami. SMU beat up on them 47-23. Um, and, you know, I, I think – with the defense that SMU has, that's the type of showing you want to see, but you also want to see it be a little bit more subdued on the Temple offensive side of things. You know, 45-10 would be exactly where you want to see SMU be in a contest like this. You know, last week, North Texas, 45, Temple, 14. And I'm not trying to play the comparative game too much because every game, every situation is different. But the last four teams have absolutely destroyed Temple. So SMU, with the talent they have, with the confidence they have defensively, you'd like to see them do that. And the biggest key to that is how can Preston Stone get this offense going and really build off of what was a decent start to East Carolina. They didn't score. They didn't get much going their first two drives, but then they took off to score two touchdowns and make some explosive plays. How do you get that consistency out of this group? And how do you get that confidence to exponentially grow early in this game where then you're feeling super good about where you stand overall and you can put the gas pedal down and really dominate. And for SMU, I think one of the keys is, is getting this ground game back and going in, in the right direction. You know, Jalen Knight and LJ Johnson, whoever SMU tried back there, they weren't able to get much going. Kamar Wheaton didn't play again. Um, he is going to be probably a game-time decision again with his hamstring as he continues to try and recover and get back to full health. Uh, but Tyler Levine is available. He did get a couple snaps. But it's really been Jalen Knight and LJ Johnson that Rhett Lashley and his staff are trying to get carries, trying to get them uh, feeling good about where they stand um, going into the back half of the season. This is game seven for SMU in the running back room. They've been productive in just about every game except for East Carolina to some degree. There's been moments where the run game has been really strong. There's been moments where they haven't been able to put it together and it's and it's been costing the SMU offense opportunities to score points or to just gel a little bit more. And against Temple, when you're facing a defense that is just one of the worst in college football overall, this is where you've got to capitalize on the road. You've got to run the football. You've got to take advantage of it because if this weather really is bad, SMU stepping up on the offensive line and being physical is the name of the game. It might be a game being played in the city of brotherly love, but SMU can't show any love at all uh, to Temple on Friday night. This 
is a offense that has probably heard a lot about where they stand from their coaches. You know, they they are an offense that is is not up to the standard of of where SMU is as an offensive school, and they know that. And they are now entering the back half of this season. What are you going to do about it? They've had better showings than what they had against East Carolina. They've had better showings, um, you know, against some of the the big opponents. They were able to move the ball. That is what you kind of have to play to in this conference slate. And you're going against teams for the most part the rest of the way that are not as good as some of the teams that you faced defensively earlier this season. And so I felt like last week Preston Stone was a lot more confident meeting with the media. Uh, he kind of kind of almost defended his guys a little bit. He was really, you know, saying how they work hard, they go in there, they ignore so much of what's going on in your life and things like that to play, you know, each day and work hard at it. And we saw Preston Stone get a little hot um, after they kind of overcame that little slow start. He had that moxie. He was he was pumped up. Those are all the things you want to see from your quarterback, but it all has to be consistent. And uh, so for SMU, I, I think getting the run game going and trying to play a really clean, efficient game should be at the top of the list for Preston Stone in this offense this week. Um, because defensively, I just expect them to do what they've done all year, which is be a top 20 defense nationally and yards per game. And um I think if SMU can get another round of turnovers, that would be a welcomed sign going into, uh, again, the back half of this AAC slate because then they're starting to pick up some momentum turning the ball over. Uh, Special teams-wise, SMU is going to continue to work on that. I think Rhett Lashley and the staff is kind of at their wits' end with the return game. Um, It's not been good this season at all. We did see the depth chart. Uh, I believe it was Roger Daniels who was put back on the uh, kick return side of things. So maybe a change coming there. Uh, Keyshawn Smith is the other return man. But whether it was Brian Massey or whether it was Keyshawn Smith against East Carolina, it just wasn't good. And and it wasn't a uh, group that really could set SMU up with good field position or do anything like that. Um, On the bright side for SMU, they had nine punts, didn't get one blocked. um, And outside of, I think, one kind of average punt, by Ryan Buchevsky, they got what they wanted out of that uh, punting unit. So um, that was a good sign for SMU. Uh, they fair caught the ball for the most part in the punt return game. Um, and, and you know, whether you look back at Roger Daniels and you're scared to death if he's going to drop it or not is one thing, but uh, they did manage to um, not have a back-breaking play in, um, in, on the special team side of things. Before we get to the final prediction, a quick reminder, guys, uh, to check out our friends at Big Game USA. They've got the official football of SMU there for you guys, and you can get it for 10% off with promo code BEON3. You get free shipping as well. This is the official game ball of SMU. If you're watching on the Dave Campbell's YouTube channel, uh, Preston Stone, Kevin Jennings, they helped design this going into the season. So you can toss this around on the boulevard. You can Get it as a keepsake and get it autographed by some of your favorite Mustangs. Whatever you want to do, uh, that is um, there for you uh, with Big Game USA, promo code BEON3. That's the number three at the end uh, for 10% off your order, your entire order, 
plus free shipping. So the holidays are coming up. Get those ordered. Check them out at biggameusa.com. Locally made in Addison as well. So appreciate their support of the podcast. We get to the predictions for this one, and I, I think this is pretty straightforward. I think it's going to be the fourth straight game or fifth straight game that Temple has given up 40-plus points. And I got SMU winning 45-10. to 10. And specifically, I think that touchdown for Temple is going to be a late one. I think this defense is playing with so much confidence right now, and you almost hope the only concern would be playing with overconfidence against Temple, especially if E.J. Warner doesn't play. You know, will they kind of overrun things? That was kind of the case, I felt like, at, in early moments against Charlotte with a running quarterback, where they kind of were helter-skelter, and they they allowed a couple big runs, and then they got it under control and dominated. But, you know, I think this is a unit that, <clears throat> talking with Jonathan McGill and talking with Elijah Chapman after last week's game, they just have so many big plans for this season. They want a championship. They want to be the best defense in SMU recent history. They they have all these things that they want to accomplish. And the only way to do that is to keep your head down and keep grinding in the right direction. And so it's really important for SMU uh, to go into, into Temple and, and play at that high of a level. And again, this is a Temple team that is just not playing good football right now. Um, you know, quite honestly, uh, the players have not been in position on defense that should give SMU's offense opportunities to make big plays. That's something Preston Stone did take advantage of last week against East Carolina. And Jalen Knighton's explosiveness, LJ Johnson being back healthy, all that says that SMU should have their breakout game of conference play offensively. And that's why I like them 45-10. to 10. I think the combination of offense and defense playing so well for SMU right now, it's just going to be too much to handle for Temple. So, um, the game is on ESPN2, 6 p.m. Central um, for the Mustangs uh, heading up to Philadelphia for this one. Next week, SMU's homecoming matchup was announced for 11 a.m. Womp womp against Tulsa in a home game at Gerald Ford Stadium. It'll be homecoming. It'll be a bright and early affair. Um, but <clears throat> people should be showing up if SMU does win this game against Temple because that could be SMU moving to 6-2. and two and getting bowl eligibility in front of a homecoming crowd. And then you kind of get into the rest of the, okay, that box check, time for uh, the AAC championship push. Uh, before we go on this podcast, the ACC is meeting in Charlotte this week. That includes SMU to go through ACC scheduling models. Um, and this is kind of that time where, um, according to multiple reports, uh, we're seeing obviously the um, the, the divisions, uh, are going away, um, for, uh, the ACC from what we understand. Um, this means that SMU, uh, will, you know, like any other team will just have to win its way to the top. Um, there will be three, uh, there used to be three permanent rivals per team that were announced last year before expansion. This all according to Andrea Edelson of ESPN, who's uh, got a good thread on it. Those rivals are gone. Um, they are trying to figure out a plan um, for protected games, but there are so many teams in this league. There's also uh, Notre Dame, who will get five non-conference games out of it, that it just is, it's really hard to have three permanent rivals in the ACC 
while also rotating enough of the game. So SMU is meeting in Charlotte with uh, league leaders to um, work on the future schedule uh, for the 2024 season and beyond. Uh, if you follow our, our work at ontheponyexpress.com of the On3 Network, we had an interview with SMU Athletic Director Rick Hart, who kind of talked about the early goings of this and where things stand um, and, and you know, how SMU can, um, you know, be positioned not only for this, but for future non-conference games as well. Um, it's crazy. This time next year, SMU is going to be in the thick of an ACC schedule. But for now, they've got to go on the road and they've got to beat Temple 6 p.m. Central on ESPN2. Um, we'll be watching. We'll have all your coverage at ponyexpress.com. Please hit that subscribe button to the Dave Campbell's Texas Football YouTube channel or wherever you catch the Republic of Football podcast at. We will catch you guys next week with another edition of the podcast as SMU uh, prepares for another league game against Temple on Friday and looks to move to 5-2 and two overall in the season and 3-0 and oh in AAC play. Thanks for listening to this edition of the State of Dallas podcast. I'm Billy Embody. We'll catch you next week with another edition. Have a good weekend, everyone.